back in the loved home, Doris and her mountain home. It was the last evening of their stay in the cottage by the river, and Dorothy and her daughter sat by the window which looked toward Montfisop. Ah, they were weary but not depressed, instead were happy in the prospect opened so unexpectedly before them, their only trial being that not one of their relatives had been near them since being told of their departure from Shules. It was a pleasant diversion from the thought of this to see Melkor coming down the mountain path, cross the bridge, and come up the path to their cottage, and Doris ran to the door to admit him. They were glad to see him. They felt that next to Uncle Nicholas he was their best friend in Switzerland, and it was with real regret that they realized that after the morrow they might never see him again. "'Have you pen and ink by you, Fräulein Doris?' he said, turning to her. "'There is a paper here which her Nicholas Durant wishes the mother to sign.' "'To sign it?' cried Dorothy in surprise and some anxiety. What can it be that I am to sign? Heed it, Doris. Yes, you will read the paper to her, Doris. Then I am sure she will be willing to put her name to it, smiled Melkor, taking a legal-looking document from his pocket and putting it into her hand. Oh, Mama, exclaimed Doris, flushing with delight as she glanced over the paper. Uncle Nicholas has bought this house. All you have to do is to sign this paper which releases your claim upon it. Dear, kind, old no, uncle, commented Fra Marsuis gratefully, and to give us such a good price for it. Indeed, I will gladly put my name to it. And it is just a piece of our good fortune that I happen to put pen and ink in my little hand satchel instead of a trunk, said Doris as she brought them to her mother who signed the paper, Doris and Melkor, putting their names to the document as witnesses. Here is a part of the purchase money, said Melkor, taking it from his pocket, and her, Nicholas, says he will send the balance to you after you have arrived at Cavadon. That will be far better, said Doris. We would be anxious if we had so much with us. Uncle Nicholas knows exactly what is best. God is so good to us, said Dorothy reverently. He has smoothed the wet path step by step for our feet. Tell Uncle Nicholas that we are deeply grateful to him and can leave this house knowing that it will be no care to you except to take out your few pieces of furniture and give the key to Uncle Nicholas. But I will not have to move the furniture nor carry the key to Artie, said Melkor cheerfully. Instead, I will take possession. Her Nicholas has let me have the cottage at very low rent, and my niece is to come to keep house for me. I will be nearer my work, and in every way will be better suited than I am now. This was a charming surprise to the ladies, and they congratulated the old man, who would be so comfortably fixed. It is a joy to us to know. You will be here, Melkor, said Dorothy, to think of you being in the home that my father and mother loved. The home of my childhood will be one of the pleasantest remembrances of Switzerland. It is certainly one of the greatest favors to me, replied the old man, and saying that he would come in the morning to see them off, he bade them good night. And soon after, mother and daughter retired to rest. 
Happy as Dorothy had been a year before to come to her once loved home in Schulz, she was far happier to leave it and return to the happy scenes of her later life, and the journey to them was one of unalloyed pleasure. It was near sunset of a cloudless day when she and Dora stood on the fore part of the boat, speeding its way over Lake Magior toward Zuna. Look! Mama cried Doris, see the lovely green slopes of Matioso, like a velvet mantle, so smooth and soft. See the branches of the trees reflected in the clear water, which is now sparkling with golden light. Look at the old tower, and higher up the chapel and the deep deer hamlets and villages dotted over it. Aunt Mata. Furrow and the stately Monterone added Dorothy. We have reached home, said Doris, as the boat touched the landing. But Maha and the children are not here to meet us. I told her in my letter at what time today we would reach here. She may not have received it, but it is no matter. We can leave our packages here, and Guacoma will come for them when he comes from his work. No, we need not wait a moment. We will go directly up to the house. They left the boat, Doris drawing the carriage in which lay Willie, who had been enjoying a sound sleep on the boat, and was now bright and interested in all he saw. They were joyously glad that he had stood the journey so well, and was happy with them, seeming to improve every hour in spirits. When they reached the chapel, they halted to rest, and Doris, with tears of joy and grief, sat down upon the bank where she had so often sat and read and sung to her father. Mama said she, the nearer I get to our dear home, the more anxious I am, fearing that it is occupied. It has been so long since we heard from Guacomo, and I dread now that the reason he did not write was because he knew that we would be grieved to know that someone is living in our dear home. I do not know how I could bear it to pass it by to seek a place elsewhere. I have thought of this every step I have taken, Doris, but Providence has cared for us in every event of our lives. If he, if he wills it that we are not to have the old home, we should and will trust to his judgment that it is best for us. Further conversation was prevented by hearing the sound of young voices. And in a moment they were surrounded by Maha and the children, who were clamoring with delight at seeing them. We were on our way to meet you, said Maha. The boat got in earlier than we expected. Who would have thought that Benedetto and Marietta could have grown so much in one year, said Doris. But Guacoma, where is he? And she looked about her. Here, Fraulein, said the boy, appearing from another and shorter path. And he held out his hand shyly. No, not Fraulein, but Doris, I am the same Doris to you. All is that when I left you, Marietta, having presented her with a wreath of wild flowers, had now turned her attention to Willie, who was viewing the proceedings with a mixture of pleasure and amazement. She broke off a long stick, which she placed in his hand as a coachman's whip, and a tin whistle in his other hand, and telling him to blow it, she started with his carriage up the slope, the others following. Guacoma carrying the small parcels which they had left upon the boat, he taking the landing way in his walk from Pagliano. But our house, Maha, is it occupied? asked Dorothy as they walked along. Tell them, Guacomo, said Maha, nodding to her grandson, but he reddened. And for a moment nothing was said. Then it is rented, said Doris. 
At all events, it is lost to us. There's no one in it. It is waiting for you, he said, his black eyes bright with pleasure. Oh, how delightful, cried Doris in great relief. Why did you keep the good news a moment from us, Guacomo? You surely know it what a joy it would be to us. Nothing you could tell us would give us more pleasure. Dorothy, who was walking with Maha, was also happy over this report, yet felt that all was not quite clear. Guacomo was keeping something from them. He hesitates, said she. Perhaps the house is promised to someone. No, and you have come at a good time. As to Guacomo, I will tell you all about it. The day you left here, the owner came. He is also the owner of the large gardens at Pallanza, as you know. A man came with him who wished to rent the house with a view to buying it if it suited him. I had the key, you remember, that you left it with me, and they asked me for it as they wished to look over the terrace and garden, which the owner had given into my care. When Guacomo heard that there was a prospect of the man taking it, he was almost beside himself with grief. He said that you would come back and could not have your old home. The owner laughed and said the house would have a long wait for a tenant if it waited for you. But Guacomo was so sure of it that he resolved to keep the cottage for you. If in his power to do so, he walked to Pallanza and told the owner that he would work in his gardens from early morning until late at night and allow his wages to lay in his employer's hands until enough had accumulated to pay the rent of the cottage for a year. The owner looked at him in surprise, but promised that the house should stand unoccupied. Was because he saw that Guacoma was in earnest. Besides, he needed a faithful, industrious boy in his gardens, and knew that Guacoma would be that boy. I think, too, that he decided in his own mind that the man who looked at it did not intend to buy it. And Guacoma went, said Doris eagerly, as all halted in the interest of the story. Yes, the owner came to me to ask if I were willing to have him go, and I said I would gladly, for I knew that he would learn a good business with a good, kind employer, and if you did come back, the house would be ready for you. When the matter had been settled and Guacoma had gone to work, Beppo came home from Genoa for the purpose of taking him back with him, but Guacoma had bargained to stay at the gardens, and Beppo took Bendento in his stead. But he is here now, said Dorothy, turning to the tall boy who had been helping Marietta with Willie's carriage. Yes, he is home on a visit, and we are all glad it happened to be now that he might see you. They are all fine, healthy children. You may well be proud of them, Maha. I am not the only one who thinks well of them. The employers of both of them say that they are faithful workers and reliable in every way. Guacoma gets good wages for a boy. But all the work he has done has brought him nothing for himself, commented Doris regretfully. All went for the rent? Oh no, replied Maha eagerly. That has been paid some time ago. And he has had some money to use for other things. He was commencing on another year of rent, although the owner would not promise to keep it the year if he had a good chance to sell it, as it is not good for a house to be vacant so long. You are sure that it is not sold? said Dorothy anxiously. No, the owner would have told Guacomo if it were sowed. He was there this morning with our old pastor and went over the house into Ross and Garden, but I am sure the pastor does not need a house when he has one. To Maha's surprise, Dorothy did not seem the least depressed by this information. Instead, she smiled brightly and seemed in such excellent spirits that even Doris could not understand the sudden change which all noticed.
They had by this time reached the cottage. The door was opened by Maha, and Dorothy and Doris stood in delighted astonishment at what met their view. All their belongings were back in their old places, looking so homelike and familiar that mother and daughter felt that the year since they left it was but a dream. This is why we were too late to meet you at the boat, said Maha, her kind face beaming with pleasure at seeing their surprise. Your goods came just in time for us to have all in readiness for you and no time over. How can we ever repay you and the children, Maha, for your goodness to us? asked Dorothy with tears in her eyes. You have done it long ago. What would these children have been had you not taken them in hand? Where would I have been? she added smilingly. Let us go out on the terrace, said Doris eagerly, and Guacomo, drawing the carriage of Willie, followed her swift steps through the corridor and out the door at the back of the cottage, where another happy surprise awaited her, Guacomo having used the knowledge gained at the gardens and making the terrace more beautiful than ever. Roses, the richest scented, the evening air, the great cluster of purple grapes added to the fragrance. Oh, said Willie, clasping his pale hands, I am, am I to be in this beautiful place? Is this my home, Aunt Doris? I hope so, Willie. I can only pray that God will so bless us. Then remembering the words of Melchor, she added, if it be his will. Doris, said her mother, I must tell you something which I hope may come to pass. The day I went to bid Uncle Nicholas goodbye, he told me that he wished to buy this place for you, and we have to thank Guacoma for keeping it vacant for us, and thus giving Uncle a chance. Doris turned pale and red by turns in her delight. At hearing this, Oh, mother, how could you keep such news from me, said she. Because your Uncle Nicholas thought it wiser not to mention it to you until we found that it was unoccupied and still belonged to the employer of Guacomo, and yet for sale, knowing it would add to the bitterness of your disappointment to know what might have been. But can he buy it, Mama? Is it still for sale? Yes, Doris. Maha tells me that the pastor to whom your uncle told me he intended writing was here today with the owner, and I have not the least doubt that the place is yours, for your uncle said he would give whatever price the pastor and owner agreed upon. Maha and the children shared in the joy of mother and daughter, and had just congratulated them upon the happy prospect when they heard the sound of voices and the pastor and the proprietor of the gardens at Payanza came through the corridor and out upon the terrace. There were cordial greetings and welcomes home, and then the pastor put an official-looking paper in the hand of Doris. Allow me to congratulate you, my child, upon becoming the owner of the sweet home. This is the deed to the cottage. It is now yours. Let us have a word of prayer, then I must go. They all knelt, and the pastor asked that God's blessing might rest upon the home, that they might have health and prosperity under its roof, never forgetting to give thanks to the loving Father above, who had so blessed them. Then he went, accompanied by his companion, and Doris again thanked Guacomo for his thoughtful kindness in keeping the house for them. Now we must have a cup of tea, said Dorothy, and Maha and the children must stay and partake of it with us. Yes, Mama, and let it be out here on the terrace, which Guacoma has kept in such beautiful condition for us. 
This was agreed to, and while Dorothy and Maha prepared the food, which Dorothy had brought with her from Shoals, Doris and Marietta put the dishes upon the table, which Guacomo and Benedetto carried from the corridor, Willie looking upon all these doings in supreme content. It was a serenely happy company that surrounded the board. The simple meal of rolls, butter, cheese, and wild honey was all that any of them could wish, yet they did not le- neglect the luscious grapes that hung within reach of their hands. After Maha had helped Dorothy put all in order, she and the children left, wishing them every blessing upon their new home. Then Dorothy took Willie to his cot, where he was soon in a sweet, deep sleep, Doris remaining alone upon the terrace. Twilight was brooding over the place. Over the peak of Monterone, the evening star was shining, and one by one others were appearing in the blue vault above. Doris mused upon the changes which had come into her life since she last sat there. She had found a friend in her von Ernstein, who had convinced her that she was of use in the world, thereby encouraging her to search for work to do, and faithfully perform that which came in her, her path. Through her aged great-uncle Nicholas, she had become mistress of the loved home, with all its memories of her father, a precious gift. Through her faithful friend Melkor, she had found a personal savior who was always her stay and support. She saw him in every blade of grass and flower by the wayside, in the blue sky overhead, in the rosy clouds of sunset, in the humblest pebble at her feet. Her faith and trust in him lightened every labor and brightened every pleasure. She had the blessed assurance that she was accepted of him. And earth could offer no joy like that. No grief would be more than she could bear when she had her Savior to rely upon for comfort. Thank you for listening to another episode of Acresoft Story Classic.